Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. So I'm here today with Vincent Shorter, who is the treasurer for Pennsylvania County. Vincent, thanks for being here. No, thank you, Caleb, for this opportunity. So I guess to start, if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got to where you are now as the treasurer. Sure. Once again, Vincent Shorter is elected treasurer of Pennsylvania County. I'm a lifetime resident, born and raised here in Pennsylvania County, graduated Chatham High School. Mm -hmm. I had previous education and experience that led me in this direction. And I had, uh, from the outside, noticed there were some efficiencies that could be made or, or conveniences, and I wanted to expand and develop those and produce them to the public. I was elected in fall of 2015. The, the term started January of 2016. Mm-hmm. I would like it if you could kind of just walk me through what, what the treasurer's office does. What is your department responsible for? What are some of the things that you're not responsible for? And then I also, I know that you're a constitutional officer. So talk to me a little bit about what that means and how, how that affects what you guys do. Right. So the, the constitutional office of the treasurer originates from the Virginia Constitution of 1870. Uh, that provided for local governments to have um, a system of fiscal checks and balances on their system. And how th- how that's a checks and balance is that we as constitutional officers are allowed to work independently uh, of undue influence from other departments mm-hmm. or other officials. And we re- therefore d- report directly back to the public. Right. As, as the treasurer, I know a lot of what you guys are responsible for, oh, I, I would say one of the main things is, you know, collecting taxes. But what, what are some of the other, I mean, talk to me about that first off, but then what are some of the other, other things that your office does? Sure. So all the financial resources of the county flow through the treasurer's office. So the primary source of those, those funds certainly is the collecting of real estate taxes, personal property taxes, Mm -hmm. uh, the solid waste fee, business personal property taxes. And we bill those twice a year. And that's the majority of what we collect on behalf of of the county. Right. But we also do work on behalf of the state with regards to state income tax and estimated taxes. We also administer the vehicle license fee exemption program for first responders, um, we also administer the dog licensing program. It's also known as a dog tag. Mm-hmm. We have to maintain and balance all of the accounts for all county departments, the school board, all of their banking accounts, mm-hmm. the school board, social services, anything financially through the county. We have to report, record, and balance the books. Right. And also, when it's time to disperse those funds, make sure they're available for disbursement. Mm-hmm. I know. I know we've been talking, or we've talked previously about the difference between your office and the commissioner of the revenue. When someone gets a tax bill mailed to them, I guess where does that bill start, and how does it get to the point where it's arriving at their at their mailbox? Sure, absolutely. This is a very important question. Well, tax is the 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 only group that has the authority. Um, to levy taxes in Pennsylvania County is the Board of Supervisors. They are the governing body for this locality. They have the authority to decide within the constraints of Virginia law what they are going to tax and at what rate. Then it's the Commissioner of the Revenue that takes that information and then has to put the pieces together. Who owns the property? 
So you need to have an ownership of, of what property you're taxing, right. the actual property itself, the the description and what is the property, right. and then a value. So it takes multiple components. It mm-hmm. takes the tax rate, takes the description and the ownership of the property, mm-hmm. and then the assessed value. And then they calculate that. They right. actually create the bills. By the time it gets to us, all of that information is set in stone. Mm-hmm. Who owns the property? Who's responsible for the tax bill? Mm-hmm. Once it gets to our job, we're, right. we're the collection arm of the entire process. Mm-hmm. We, get, we get calls quite often of they sold the property to a different individual, yet they're still being taxed for it. They want us to change the name or the liability ownership on the bill. Mm-hmm. Or if they sold property and they believe it, you know, they were improperly assessed. But all of those questions have to be handled by the commissioner of the revenues office. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. As you mentioned earlier, you know, our, our tax bills go out twice a year in, in June and December. Uh, so we just finished, I guess, segment of the the tax season. So I know one of the things that we had seen, and, and I'd seen some questions about this, was the the solid waste fee and you know what if for example someone sold their house in the middle of the year how does that work with the solid waste fee which is the the fee that we charge for people to be able to use the convenience centers in the landfill so talk to me a little bit about whether it be the solid waste fee or other taxes how that works for those i guess more odd not odd scenarios but those where there's more moving parts than just someone staying in the same house for the entire year and that's all there is to it right that's a common question about ownership change of property during the year and who's responsible for it at Mm -hmm. what point and what time. And that's the same for all bill types. But there is a specific misconception, I believe, with the solid waste bill, especially when it involves a renter or a rental property. The renters have no obligation for the solid waste Mm -hmm. because it's not a usage fee. It's a fee that was assessed to the uh, landowners of occupiable dwellings to right. help fund the operations at the landfill. Mm-hmm. The other part of your question of what happens when property is sold during the calendar year. Mm-hmm. And according to state law in a non-prorate jurisdiction, which Pennsylvania County is, that all assessments are to be made on January the 1st, whether mm-hmm. it's a car, uh, automobile, a boat, a house, Everything, including solid waste fee, is assessed on that assessment date of January the 1st. So we we quite often get from the public of, I totaled that vehicle on January 2nd, or it was destroyed, or it was stolen, or Mm -hmm. I traded it in, I no longer own it. Well, according to the way the, the Virginia Code is written, you will pay taxes the entire year on whatever you owned on January 1st. Right. On the flip side of that, when they first acquired the property, it was in someone else's name on January 1st. Mm-hmm. So at wh- whatever point during the year you acquire a vehicle, if you buy a brand new car on January the 2nd of 2021, the first time you're going to see a tax bill on that vehicle is June or the June due date of 2022. The same thing that goes for real estate and personal property. The tax liability only changes once a year, and that's on January the 1st. Right. And what you're talking about with prorated jurisdictions, is that the entire state of Virginia that's true for the entire state, or that's most? In state of Virginia, localities have the option of being a prorate or Mm non-prorate. City of Danville is a prorate jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania County is a Mm non-prorate. Typically, your smaller population 
or more rural areas, your counties are non-prorate, mm-hmm. your cities are prorate. And the reason for that is you're in a perpetual billing cycle at that point. The right. county would have to add a significant number of staff to both the commissioner and the treasurer's office to be in that perpetual billing cycle like a city would. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not aware of any county anywhere close to our locale, our size that is a prorate jurisdiction. The, the citizens end up paying more money under a prorate system. So you would think it would be more revenue, but the added cost of facilitating that more than negates it. So it's kind of a lose-lose in a smaller locality. The citizens are paying more taxes, but they're not getting more services because it's all getting eaten up in administrative right. fees of adding more employees to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's really interesting. That makes sense of why, yeah, why we have to do it the way that we do. And one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was we had some question, a lot of questions this billing cycle in in June with personal property taxes, and and citizens were concerned of you know they they got their personal property tax bill for their car and it had increased from the year before, which doesn't logically doesn't make sense because cars are typically depreciating in value and going down. And so they, I think, I think the assumption was, you know, that our board of supervisors had stepped in, some tax rate had been increased. What actually happened, how that happened, and how that was something that was not in our control? So there's two different things going on there. I think it was 1995 that hopeful candidate for governor, uh, Jim Gilmore, campaigned on eliminating the car tax. The General Assembly passed a bill along with his campaign wishes to eliminate the car tax. So the localities immediately were like, wait, wait a minute, you can't just eliminate one of our major funding Mm -hmm. sources. And the General Assembly and the governor at the time said, oh, no, you won't lose a penny of revenue. What we're going to do is we're going to reimburse you out of the state coffers for that person's personal property taxes. Mm -hmm. And so the plan was from the time it was enacted in 1998, over the next five years, the billing would still occur. The individual just would not get the bill and be responsible for it. The state would. Mm -hmm. So they said up to the first $20,000 of value of a vehicle, and the state will reimburse the locality for their loss of revenue, basically paying the bill on behalf of the customer. And that we can't afford to do that all in year one, but we're going to gradually phase it in over five years up to 100%. Well, needless to say, it never got to 100%. So in 2002, the General Assembly capped the reimbursement at 70%. Well, ever since then, they've kind of seen that as an area that they were no longer going to pursue. So no, not only did it not stay at a near 70%, it's been receding each year. Mm-hmm. So just from last year's billing 2020 to this year's billing of 2021, the amount the state pays on mm-hmm. behalf of you and I and everyone else that owns cars went from they were paying 47% of our bill. It had dropped that much since mm-hmm. 2002. And this year it was uh, 44 So it dropped 3% of what they were paying. So theoretically, if your assessment on your vehicle stayed the same from year over year, you actually had to pay more money out of your pocket to satisfy that bill because the state was paying less money on your behalf out of their pocket. And that is on an onward march toward zero instead of the onward march toward 100%. Right. If everything else remained the same, you still would have paid more for the same vehicle if it did not depreciate. The second factor was COVID, believe it or not, how that affected vehicle prices. I'm Mm -hmm. sure 
almost everyone has noticed that new car dealerships have a hard time getting inventory. So new car market was very, very weak. So the car manufacturers pulled back their purchase orders. Well, that put more pressure on the used car market. If people can't buy news cars, and every day people are wrecking cars, getting stolen, they're, they're being destroyed one way or the other. Uh, uh, the extreme pressure is on the demand side. The supply was not there because most of your used car supply comes from people trading in t- for new cars. Right. And if there's no new cars to trade for, they're not just going to sell you their car and not have a car. <laughs> right. NADA, the uh, company that the Commissioner of Revenue uses for their car prices, actually was qu- questioned of why some of their vehicle values came back higher in 2021 than the previous year. And that was the explanation given. It's just a tighter market. The used car dealers and new car dealers are bidding them up higher at auction. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to another question that a lot of people have in the county, I'll go ahead and address as well, Mm -hmm. is there have been complaints about the amount of taxes paid on recreational vehicles. If you have a $20,000 pickup truck and you buy a $20,000 valued camper, you're going to pay a lot more out of your pocket for the taxes on that camper, Mm -hmm. although the tax rate's Mm -hmm. the same. Although they're both valued at twenty thousand dollars, right. you're going to pay a lot more for that camper because you're already paying a hundred percent of that bill. Mm-hmm. On your truck, you're only paying the fifty-six percent the state's not paying. Right. So you're paying fifty-six percent of the taxes on twenty thousand dollars on the truck. Mm-hmm. You're paying a hundred percent of the twenty thousand dollars of taxes on the on the camper. Right. Twenty thousand dollars of value of the camper. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Vincent, that's all the the questions that I have. I mean, is there anything else that that you would want to add or think it's important that people know? Well, I I would also like them to know that when they they call our office and we get a a lot of calls of things that don't pertain to our office because, like we discussed earlier, the not knowing where the boundaries or responsibilities of the commissioner's Mm -hmm. office start and stop in ours. Our first five phone options when you call our number go out to other departments or either other companies outside of our office. Mm-hmm. Only the option six, which you actually, it, it, it rings for a person to answer in our office. Mm-hmm. We wanted to streamline the process and free up more time for our clerks to answer questions that actually were pertinent to our office mm-hmm. and try to try to streamline that process and get the people to the place where their question can be answered. Right. And that's, I also just want to clarify that you having the first five options go to other agencies and departments is not a way to avoid interacting with the public. That's there are, I think, common and I think understandable misunderstandings about what your office does. And as you said, the align of what you do versus what the commissioner of the revenue does that, you know, questions that people are commonly going to ask are actually directed for the commissioner of the revenue and not for the treasurer's office. Well, Vincent, I really appreciate being here. Lots of lots of good, interesting information about how taxes work in Pennsylvania County. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.